0: Hello there, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for ultimate reality, meaning and destiny in their lives that also points to the very meaning and purpose for which all things consist and exist. The source of reality is an ultimate perfection of love and manifestation of love that is the very source of love from which animates ultimate beauty and goodness. The one true eternal God. For those of you that are new, I want to refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com In fact, I will show it to you right now if you're watching by video. So we will just do that at the moment right now. Um, I'll just bring it up here quickly and show that to you. Here is the book. It's got some rather profound, interesting statements on it because there's very original understanding. In writing here by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me to you, exposing the lies evolution applied to infinity is annulled by ultimate order because and confirmed by strong empirical evidence of life after death and multiple fields of science. And the soon coming ultimate antithesis of corruption, fifth dimension invasion. Well, it all sounds very profound. I'm not going to, I'll let you read it. Uh, all the print that's in red are links to YouTube videos. And in many cases, they go to the exact location in the YouTube video on whatever is being described. So that's for those of you that are new, these videos are very profound and amazing from many fields of science and archeology span that confirm the reality of what I am here sharing about and I'm about to share about. So check that out. And uh, I'm gonna just now continue with the message here. Um, I'm going to be making my introductions a lot more shorter Um, And so I want the worship song to start right away now and and then I will do some introduction after the worship song before, and in the introduction I'm explaining how I share these messages in a way that allows God to speak out of me prophetically, or as the oracles of God as the Bible describes in 1 Peter 4.11. But first of all, let's go with the worship song for today. And so we're going to bring forth that worship song now and sing it. And these are really high quality songs that you can use on an overhead projector if you have a congregation gathering together. And they all are. I've got probably well over 100 of them on my website. The other one that you should check out is loverealized.com where I have bunch of very high quality worship songs with the words so here's this one The resurrection life, we can know that resurrection life indwelling us and overflowing out of us. Are we entering into it? Helen Hassel was able to oh, win any one competition second,
1: Eric, she took part in. She was I not content because she had won right seven well. trips to Paris,
0: but- There we go. We got that off. Sorry about that interruption there, folks. We'll just have to continue with the message. The question is, are we entering in to this resurrection life? Can we know this kind of an, a, a, a victorious and abundant life in the midst of the greatest contradictions? I want to share with you, first of all, before I get into all of this, how I share these messages. I am sharing about the one true eternal God. And this one true eternal God I describe as an ultimate perfection and manifestation of love. And I briefly want to, in many of my messages, describe this for those that are new. This love is very pure. It is ultimately pure. It is so pure that it always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. It is so pure that it is as a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love, the highest form of love that always chooses the highest lasting good. This very pure love is the very source of life. of of intelligence, of beauty. There's nothing more intelligent than what is able to always choose the highest lasting good after all. But its source is not merely in thought. It is this quality which we describe as love, the highest form of love. And that is represented in creation, often as the negative symbol, which represents an indestructible foundation. As I said, it's the antithesis of corruption. It's the destroyer of corruption. It's the opposite of corruption. It is what ensures that there can be goodness that goes on forever and ever enlarges in creative pleasures of fellowship without end. And that is the case with the one true eternal God. There is an ever-increasing enlargement, including all those that have come into union with this one true eternal God. The other aspect is the positive symbol, which represents that this love has always been so great. Beyond time, beyond the time and space realm, and entering into it, Yes, God is so great that he can communicate with his creation as he did with Abraham in Genesis 18 where Abraham addresses three angels and calls one of them Yahweh, which is the most sacred name of God, and they're eating a meal together before the two angels go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the one that is God, the one true eternal God, returns back to the heavens who is the same one that came in Jesus Christ and humbled himself to the degree that he suffered more than you a mere creature on the cross and humbled himself more than you a mere creature because he loved you that much. And if it was only you he created, he would still do it. And the reason I can say that with confidence is because I've recently done a lot of research and written a book, which you can get on Amazon, called Afterlife, Incredible, Irrefutable. And I discovered that those that are genuine Christians, When they enter heaven. Time and time again. And the others like Dale Black. Dean Braxton. All of these. Randy Kay. Many others. They all describe. that The love that they experienced. When Christ. When they stood at the feet of Christ. Was so intense. It's beyond anything you can experience. In this very inferior physical dimension. It was so intense. That they knew. That he would have died for them and and done that for them if they were the only one that he created in the universe in fact it felt like they were the only one that that he loved That like they were the apple of his eye though they were aware that he loved others with the same intensity this is a love that cannot even be described or comprehended in this very inferior third dimension compared to the very far superior dimension When a person dies. And of course many have been revived by medical equipment. Highly confirmed have been dead. And have described this. So I want to share with you. um, That this represents. The positive symbol. The crossing out of. The judgment against us. That God took judgment for himself upon the cross. He became an perfect Atoning substitutionary sacrifice. For you. On the cross. you really embrace that and you embrace god and you try out him and you say god be merciful to me a sinner and you really mean it you will experience that transformation and that entering of the spirit of life of god into your inner being so i want to share with you how i share these messages the Word of God says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so I will seek to allow God to speak through me. And how do you do that? Well, it's explained in Revelations 19.10, where it says, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophetic utterance, which is speaking as the oracle of oracles of God, comes when you worship God in spirit and in truth with great love and reverence and humility so that you are so filled with the Spirit in an overflow beyond yourselves that utterances come forth beyond your normal self in intellect and understanding. So the Spirit of God can speak through all of us in many different ways. And in the early church, there was total freedom to do that. You didn't have to go and ask permission from the leadership to use the If The spirit of God moved on you and you came forth in a spirit of prophecy. You gave that word, whether it came out in a song or it came out as a word of encouragement or exhortation or as a prayer, whatever way it came forth. And God wants to restore that to the church. It's greatly lacking in the body of Christ. Leadership shouldn't be afraid of the mess, of a mess. And trying to control the headship of christ wants to fully inhabit his body in these last days and we need to get out of this passivity where we become fearful and we're so conscious of people no no if you're so caught up with god's presence and his presence you will be so filled with the spirit you won't be we're conscious of making a mess yourself or whatever else many times when i was in a church that allowed this freedom the spirit of God would rise in me. I wouldn't know what it was going to say. There would be sometimes a th- seed thought and I knew was to sing it out and I didn't know how it was going to come forth and it would come forth in a beautiful song or word. And so God wants to restore that in these last days to the body of Christ. So I want to share with you that I also to facilitate. So what it is is I seek to be in a heart set and a mindset of worship, to allow what I'm sharing here to come forth in significant measure by the Spirit of God beyond myself. So that's what I will seek to do here, and to facilitate that, I cast lots before God to get the choice of the two chapters that God wants me to speak from which will bear witness with each other as to the theme. Even if that theme is hard to perceive, I do find there's always a theme. And so I will be sharing the two chapters I received today by the casting of Lot before God by using two independent random applications to get the possibility of any chapter from the Bible. So first of all, we'll go there and we'll look at those two chapters that I received today. Right now, here we go. Today, on January the 30th of 2023, Monday, I received Genesis 1 and John 19. And I say, show up there, plus for Proverbs 8, because sometimes when I'm meditating I realize there's another chapter that really fits in with those two chapters. Or sometimes it's hard to perceive the theme and so when I cast lots, the third one reveals more clearly what the theme is. That wasn't the case today. Today was just, I realized a certain chapter fit in with these two. And I basically state here the unsearchable greatness of God's love for his creation and for us. And it's interesting because I received John 19 not too long ago, and the last time I received John 19, the other chapter that was with it, was in Luke about Lazarus being raised from the dead by Christ. Today it's Genesis 1 and John 19, which is an account of the crucifixion of Christ. So how does Genesis 1 and John 19 fit together? Well, I just finished sharing about how God's love is so great that he could condescend to this little planet. There's verses in the word of God that say he humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heaven of heavens. But he also humbles himself to the point of communicating with his creation on this one little speck of a planet in this vast universe. Not only that, God is so great that he became a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice for you so that you could be forgiven totally and know the assurance of forgiveness and embrace this love of God and have it indwell in you and grow in you so that you would know the reality of that song that says death cannot hold the resurrection life. Christ said, whoever believes with their life into me out of their innermost being would flow rivers of living water." And it is true that one experiences the Spirit of God flowing like an invisible river of energy out of their innermost being that feels like rivers of living water that can overflow in utterances that we can't put in words because what we're experiencing is so beautiful and what, in the imagination or the screen in our heart is being animated by the Spirit of God to perceptions of, of various aspects of the reality and glory of God that we sing forth like we would to a lover as we see the beauty of her face, we begin to describe what we are saying and tell that person how much we love them. And so there's an old hymn that says, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. And we can experience this life flowing in us, but it says of Israel, they have hewn for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water because they fell in love with the temporal titillating pleasures of this world that are used often as a manipulative bait by our own weaknesses and the powers of the bee that are of darkness to lead us onto our own undoing and destruction, or loss, if not full destruction, of our lives. But God is love. And those that are his. That come to that place. Where they recognize. In alignment with their conscience. Which knows innately good from bad. And that what is bad must be judged. For there to be good. And that acknowledges. An ultimate trustworthiness. That could only be in this perfection of love. That I describe. That is so Pure it will not tolerate corruption, it will not tolerate sin in us. There are many people that get focused in all the suffering around them and the suffering in their own lives, but this is the consequence of choices that are not in harmony with the source of harmony or of God, who is love. And so we see all of these consequences, and we say, if there's a God, why did he allow all this suffering? Well, he created you with free will. He didn't create you as a robot. He created you as the source of your own action. Which means you're self-responsible. Which means that you have the potential to cause evil. You have the potential to create a hell in you and around you that affects others in the same way. In other words, you corrupt others. Like a black hole in outer space, it's dragging you in to a destructive state and others around you in. Because you're grasping for fulfillment in the things that are created instead of the creator. In identity with a group of people more than in identity with the creator or whatever it is. This happens often in churches. And then you have out of that them becoming blind followers of people that are leaders of the blind that are We've seen many examples of cults where the people are domineering and controlling, and when they don't have their way, they commit mass suicide like happened years ago. What was that, Jonestown or something? God is calling his people to know the freedom there is in a love relationship with God. You see, when you have a love relationship with God, there's total freedom. You don't try to control people in your meetings. You don't try to control anything. You allow total liberty for those, all those unique individuals to manifest the uniqueness that God made them to be in their giftings as a gift to you. We are gifts one to another. Once we've found the source of all gifts, which is God. It says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that from him comes every good and perfect gift. That's an actual verse I'm almost quoting word for word They're not fully. And so I wanna, I believe that's in James somewhere, that verse, if I remember right. But here I wanna share with you about these two chapters. Genesis one is about god creating the universe and i could go into many interesting descriptions of genesis 1 and 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 how that's all described there it basically describes at first being a void gasp it says the earth was void and darkness was on the face of the deep and there was no form and then god's spirit begins to move on that void mass And then there's light, but it's not in the form of the sun. It's at first just that there is a kind of a separation of light from darkness and maybe a not fully formed ball. And so there's gases that are forming further on, but they're not solidified and crystallized yet, but they're causing light to come on all of these gases that are now starting to become a sphere. And then it's time goes on there's the exact order that is described by the there's the then the, the sphere of the earth forms and i would imagine the other planets and then by the and then there's the water and the firmament above the water then there's the land that appears and then after the land there's plants that start growing and after the plants start growing the fish and the sea and so on and but i think fit no that's the fifth the fish in the sea The fourth is then the sun is totally solidified in the moon. And now the light is very clear. And so it describes the clearness of the lights as the fourth day. But the light was there in the beginning, but it was more gassidious and not fully formed. But you go on and you have the the very natural progression of creation there described. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's referring to the past. And then there's this particular moving of God upon this mass here in this solar system out of which forms planet earth and so on. And we read here towards the end of Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he, him, male and female. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So it's a, an account of God creating this solar system in this particular time, and also re- mentioning his creation of the heavens as well, in the most likely the past, as it says, God created past tense. And so we have. A description of the goodness of God, and it says in this passage that God saw that the work he did was good. And he rested the seventh day, where he began to enjoy what he had created. Okay, how does that fit with John 19, 6 to 7? This is the crucifixion of Christ. What it does show. Is the greatness of God's love that the One that created such a vast universe as I described could have such a great love, and always did in His being from the infinite past, as He always was? And I described this thing in my flip book, by the way. I don't want to get in sidetracked on that right now, but it is an amazing concept that totally uses the theory of evolution to undo the theory of evolution showing that it is not real that we came from evolution. Basically, with the understanding that when you apply evolution to infinity, you should have had an evolution of something that was ultimate order over time, as you believe things are always evolving in that direction. And the ultimate order couldn't be anything less than God. And I will mention in here that the other aspect of why God is almighty is because he is able... To be in personage, in three personages, in order to rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence. Because whatever you're not in conscious intelligence in and over, you're certainly not going to be able to rule over. And so God, as the Father, is beyond creation. That's the ultimate, one ultimate aspect is beyond creation. The other is in creation. And the other is omnipresence filling all creation and beyond with god the father so god the father functioning in personage beyond creation seeing the end from the beginning beyond time and space the son the full expression of the father into the creation realm limiting himself to experience the limited realm of creation and love and fellowship and so on uh, with also the father beyond and then the third aspect omnipresence the holy spirit in omnipresence, with the Father and the Son in omnipresence. So in the Father is the Son and the Holy Spirit, in the Son is the Father and the Holy Spirit, and in the Holy Spirit is the Father and the Son in omnipresence. So anyhow, here in, uh, and if God wasn't in three personages, he wouldn't be the Almighty's as it's described in, The Old Testament, in the original, the word Elohim, which is continually used for God, literally means the Almighty's, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here we have in John this, When the chief chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him, Pilate saith unto them. Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered, him we have a law and by our law he he ought to die because he made himself the son of god and they recognized that anyone that called themselves the full expression of god which is basically what they understood by that word that he was the full expression and perfection of god communicated to man just like it was to abraham when yahweh talked to abraham and ate food with him in genesis 18. But to them, how could this be? Since he had a mother and a father, I mean, it was beyond their mind, right? But they did have many theologians at that time that believed there would be two messiahs from God. There would be a suffering messiah, and a ruling Messiah. But they were only wanting to have a ruling Messiah come because the Romans, they were tired of their oppression and wanted this ruling. And so they thought that Christ was that ruling Messiah. And here he comes to be crucified. But they, in their own theology, like the Essenes and so on, believed these things. They just didn't realize that the same Messiah that was going to be the suffering Messiah would also be the one that returned which he will return soon to this earth. As is described in Zechariah 12, where he comes down on the Mount of Olives and it splits in half, and the nation of Israel, and it says, they will look on me whom they have pierced. Speaking of the nation of Israel, and at that time, two-thirds of the nation of Israel is wiped out and tortured and captured and so on. But the one-third God preserves. And they are the ones that totally come to recognize Jesus Christ as their Messiah. As described very clearly in the prophecies of Zechariah there, I believe it's chapter 12 for sure. Now I want to share with you some other verses here on this. That are related to these verses here further. I've pasted in here. There is... A prophetic passage in Proverbs 8 that is so fitting with these two chapters. And it says this and the word Lord there is Yahweh, which means the ultimate reality, the source of reality, the I am that I am, basically, that is beyond creation and separate and beyond creation, which is referring to the one true eternal God. It says, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. Now, let me just uh, have a drink. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning, wherever the earth was. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, <clears throat> before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth while as yet he had not made the earth nor the fields nor the highest part of the dust of the world when he prepared the heavens I was there when he set a compass upon the face of the depth when he established the clouds above when he strengthened the fountains of the deeps of the deep when he gave to the sea his decree <clears throat> that the waters should not pass his commandment When he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of men. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are all they that keep my ways. Hear instruction. And be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. And of course, Here God reveals his love to such an extent to man that he comes down and humbles himself more than you a mere creature and suffers more than you a mere creature as a perfect substitutionary sacrifice on the cross so that you could be reconciled to God and be cleansed and forgiven. And that symbol of the cross which represents this ultimate manifestation of God's love and perfection of God's love, is symbolized in the last letter of the alphabet in the ancient Hebrew language, which was also the same alphabet that all the languages back from 1500 B.C., 2000 B.C. and earlier, used. And that last letter that looked exactly like the cross we know today, that is represented in Christianity, meant in the, the meaning of that letter was sign and symbol. Isn't that interesting? And we have people trying to cancel the symbol of the cross when the symbol of the cross was there way before Christianity as we know it today. But this verse here says that those that hate me love death. Of course you love death if you hate the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love. Why would you reject that? Why would you not want To receive continually, even after you've received Christ, there's an ongoing reception of Christ because the word of God says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We are always learning to reciprocate this ultimate manifestation and perfection of love, which is the ultimate trustworthiness and could only be the ultimate trustworthiness. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater than this love. There's no love that could exist that could be greater than this love. Only this love would be trustworthy to contain unlimited power in life without being corrupted by it, or using unlimited power and life in a way that is corrupt. Thus, indicative that he, God, is the very source of life, of unlimited life and authority and power. Only that could contain it. Anything else would have a measure of corruption and over time of self-destructed in the infinite past. And I mention that I received by the casting of Lot this passage on the crucifixion, John 19, not too long ago. And that was with Luke. I forget which chapter. I think it was Luke 11. And that was about the resurrection of Lazarus. From the dead. And what did the Pharisees do? Everyone knew that Lazarus rose from the dead. Everyone saw it happen. And yet these people go to the Pharisees and they're so caught up and have evolved into their own self righteous ways so that they're only seeking their own kingdom and not the kingdom of God and their own glory and not the kingdom of God that they're going about to figure out how to kill Lazarus because so many people are believing in Christ because Christ rose. Him from the dead. So there's an example of people that love death because their own little religious hierarchy was being threatened. We are noticing right now in this day and age in the world, as never before, the exposure of corruption in high places. All the institutions have been corrupted in the last thirty years. This has been muchly mostly by the Chinese Communist Party and the global elites that have been working hand in hand with them. And like you've got, you know, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and all these things. And so all of these people, there's a total corruption that's taken place in many institutions. Elections have been stolen recently in Brazil. And there was a great uprising there. I don't know what's going on there right now. But we see institutions that once we could trust in, News media that once was fair and spoke the truth, now it's a cancel culture. And all these people, they're all afraid of losing their jobs. So they're willing to uh, do all these terrible things to other people, including having them fired because they don't want to die from this vaccine, which is killing so many people. And of course, you can go on my websites and there's links right on the homepage there to news sources that are very integral and always validate their sources, and they're exposing all of this corruption. So we're living in that kind of a time. And the question is, are we going to be those that rise to this occasion so that we know this resurrection life that can conquer everything and the authority of that life flowing through us? Let me give you an example of someone you can look up on the internet. It's an example of that song we sung Death cannot hold the resurrection life. It is Brother Yan, the Heavenly Man. I've read his book, it's up there on the internet. In fact, you can even hear it on audio for free. Quite an amazing, true account. Brother Yan was in China and was sharing the good news of the love of God and, of course, the Chinese Communist Party. <clears throat> which cruelly oppresses their own people. People have to live, you know, work 12 hours a day and only get Sunday off and and they can hardly make ends meet. And in the rural areas, they if they have a medical problem, they have to give all their living to cause their loved one to survive. I mean, they're living in a very oppressive environment where they have no freedom at all. Because man, when he's corrupt and he wants all the power which is what there is now trying to happen around the world as a power grab, always ends up oppressing and making people just like a bunch of robots and machines because they're all believing in the lie of evolution, which is really a bunch of pseudoscience that you can discover that I expose on that flip book I told you about. So those that hate me love death and we see A lot of people right now, instead of loving other people and caring for them and taking a stand, they don't. But this man is called the heavenly man, Brother Yang. He was tortured by the Chinese Communist Party for 10 years and more, I think. And it's an amazing story. He went on a fast without food or liquid for 74 days, which is impossible in the natural but he did. While he was on that fast, they tortured him terribly. For example, you know, the sewer where all the men's dung and piss goes, They threw him in there after beating him. Just threw him in there and let him almost drown in there. This is while he hasn't eaten food. Then they get the other prisoners to they will give you less time if you really give, you know, torture him and do all this. So there was Muslims mocking him and everything else. And now he's so weak. And he doesn't even look human. He's only 60 pounds. And suddenly, and they're, they're gambling to see if he's going to live till the morning. Betting each other and gambling over him. Suddenly he gets up on some little stool and starts preaching to them. And the power of God comes through him in such power and preaches in such power and authority that all these people, the Muslims, everything, everyone got converted. And then God, they broke his kneecap, his legs with sledgehammer. Suddenly his legs, God God, speak to him and says, this day you're going to walk out of this prison. And he, that was confirmed by other prisoners that heard God say the same thing to them and told him, it's going to happen to you today. And sure enough, In the middle of the day somehow the prison door is open and his legs suddenly has strength he walks out he walks through the there's guards walking by guards going this way with someone doesn't even see him and he walks through as the guards opening the door and then he goes through the next door and the next door and the door is open every time in broad daylight he's walking past all kinds of guards and they don't see him and he walks out and there's a taxi that pulls up and wants to take him immediately and he takes off and he escaped to europe And he has his testimony. You can watch him on YouTube video or get the book. But that's an example of resurrection life, of death that cannot hold the resurrection life. I can tell you, if people came to torture you, to try to get you to deny the love of God and Jesus Christ, as that's what they try to do, these people that are filled with demons, God gives you the power of his resurrection in you and the authority of his power in you to endure what you could never do in your own strength. He gives you the grace to overcome all things and you can know the indwelling of that authority in your life when you die to the loves of the world. And it's not easy even as a Christian. Once we receive Christ, there's still corruption in us and a tendency of deception to grasp after these things. But Christ has come into us, and as we grow, we die to the loves of the world. And it can be a painful death, but the greater the death, the greater the resurrection. And so as we let go and we die to the loves of the world, and God becomes the delight and the treasure of our heart, he then is in us in a very powerful way, with life and with authority so that we don't panic when we're in the midst of maybe a terrible situation where there's what that's life-threatening where maybe they're going to torture us an example of this is another man that you can look up on the internet henry Groover, and i have links to this on my homepage to three godly people it's brother young the heavenly man henry Groover, and uh, what's her name now um it heidi baker i think so anyhow <clears throat> henry Groover is now gone to be with the lord but if there's anyone that's amazing to watch on youtube it's him i've met him in person <clears throat> i even videoed one of his meetings for him <clears throat> when he was out in this area what an amazing man so fearless i mean he would p- go and do prayer walks in the most dangerous places and people would tell him if you go there you're dead for sure But he'd go in there, for example, he went into Al-Qaeda territory, he was walking right in front of people, dying on crosses with their skin flayed. And of course, Al-Qaeda caught him, brought him into the cave and told him, "We're we're going to do that to you, we're going to put you on a cross and flay your skin. And the presence of God came down on him in such power, they fled in terror. And then they said, don't anyone touch that man. And they let him march and pray walk through that whole area. This is the kind of fearless man this was. You should see if you look up what happened when he was in Siberia. If I told you, you'd be amazed. And there was whole hills that were made that were just, you couldn't see the bodies, but there were hills of people that had been tortured to death there that you could drive on. Because they would put them in the ice cold in these... And he describes how when he went into that area, these powerful things that happened. Whole hospitals were emptied. Everyone was healed. And I mean, he, you can tell he's not lying. The top military guy comes with his soldiers and he gives them all a little prayer book and he, he's bringing in the helicopter with 40 soldiers in each trip to line up and receive these little things to receive Christ. They all pray the sinner's prayer And then they all start weeping, the Russian soldiers, as they're receiving Christ. And then he brings in another helicopter, Lord. Because when Henry talked to the top general there, he received Christ. And then he wanted all of his soldiers to receive Christ. So they're all lining up and praying the sinner's prayer and weeping while they're praying and receiving Christ. Loads and loads and loads of them. And now the general said, now we have Christ in us. That really happened. And all of those healings there in Siberia, where all those Christians were tortured to death in such terrible ways under communism, out of that came such life and resurrection and power. Death cannot hold the resurrection life. And when you have that resurrection life in you, you don't have to fear a thing. You can be fearless like Christ was, like Henry Groover was, like Brother Yun the heavenly man was in prison, doesn't mean that we're not human and have a certain measure of fear. But the presence of God swallows it up. And then an uncanny boldness can come into us in the midst of every contradiction. We can know his authority and his love. You know, the word of God says that perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. The consciousness of loss causes uptightness. But when you are conscious of being filled and experiencing being filled with the love of God, you are not anymore uptight in the midst of the greatest contradictions. They can accuse you of things like they accuse Christ and you can keep your mouth shut and just rest and trust in God the Father as Christ did in God the Father. Trust in Elohim, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Yahweh. So this is good news, that death cannot hold the resurrection life, that we can embrace the love of God and know his presence in our lives in such a real way, that it overflows with life to others. Paul said that we are a saver of life unto life to those that God is basically drawing to himself, And we are a savor of death unto death to those that are choosing to go in a direction of hating the love of God and embracing a self-destructive, corrupt state of being. So thank you for listening to this message. And maybe there's a few other things before I close this message that I forgot to read in these scriptures here. So I want to take a look at that briefly for a moment. I think there was another scripture. I may be wrong about that. Yeah, it was John 1, 9 to 12. It says here that Jesus Christ was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. They actually crucified him. But as many has received him. To them he gave the power to become the children of God or the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What does it mean to believe on the name of Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the name of Jesus Christ, in whom is the Father and the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to believe on the name of Jesus, on the name of Yahweh? It means to believe not with our intellect merely, but far more with our heart. To believe, and in the Greek it's usually believe into, in the sense that you're putting your life right into his life so that you are wanting to live as he lives. Even. And the other thing is his name. What is his name? In the Hebrew, the word for name is Shem. Another Hebrew word is the word for life. It says the life of the flesh is in the blood. That word life means that which is who you really are. The reality of who you really are is what that word life means. The word name is similar. It means who you really are expressed out to others. So God's being and the reality of who he is is who we're believing in. It's expressed to us and we're believing in that name. We're reciprocating that name. We're not looking at all the suffering and the consequences of choices that have bounced off ultimate reality in a direction that is destructive. Rather, we're embracing this ultimate reality and it will break our pride because except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like a seed. It has to be broken open before that life can enter in. It will break our pride. And that's why it says in the word of God that the stone, which represents ultimate reality, who is who who God is, because it's indestructible and unmovable, that this stone, whoever resists it will be ground to powder, but whoever receives it basically will be broken, broken onto life like the rock that was smitten in the Old Testament by Moses, and out of it flows this great river of life. And by the way, you can see in uh, one of the links on my book, a link to that stone. They discovered it. There's great river patterns coming from a stone, an enormous stone that was broken open. And they have all the other evidence of the journeys of the children of Israel that they've discovered now. So there's some amazing stuff there. Including the pillar of fire that melted the sand and the stone at the crossing of the Red Sea You can see all the sand and stone that's been melted was melted by that pillar It goes for a long distance right up to there And that's obvious where they cross because they found the chariot parts underneath and so on So there's no doubt about that being the crossing of the Red Sea But anyhow, that's all I have to share for today and I want to emphasize Get the book God, Headship, and Body Invasion because it shares everything that you can do in your church to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly and from inhabiting your life as an individual. And my other book is titled Afterlife Irrefutable. No, Afterlife, pardon me, Incredible Irrefutable. Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable. Thank you for listening to this message.